This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Just like we saw King David said, I think it was Psalm 84, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. And that's a good place for you to be. Now, uh, last Sunday night, we started part one of, I guess, what will probably be a seven-part series, and that's uh, called the seven I am statements of Jesus, the seven I am, because in the book of John, on seven different occasions, Jesus used this phrase where he said, I am. Now, again, to somebody, you know, that didn't grow up under reading much of the Old Testament, that may not mean much to you. But to the Jewish person, to the Hebrew, that means a whole lot because as we study in the book of Exodus, we find out that when the Lord told Moses to go and rescue the people from Egypt, Moses was afraid and he said, well, who am I going to tell him sending me? You know, if some other country sent me, I could say, you know, in the name of so-and-so, in the name of this country, you better do this. He said, who do I tell them is sending me? And the Lord says, why don't you tell them that I am sent you? Well, what does that mean? That's kind of an open-ended name. That's kind of an open-ended statement. And it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be open-ended. It's supposed to be like that because God has no ending, right? He's the Alpha, which means beginning. And He's the Omega, which means the ending. God has no end. And so when He says, I am, that's just about the best way that you could describe God. That's about the best name that you could give Him because that puts no limit That puts no cap, that puts no end to what he can do in your life, right? Aren't you glad that that Jesus didn't show up and say, well, I was the light of the world. I am the great I was. I am the great has-been. I know a lot of great has-beens. You talk to some old ballers or something and they'll tell you about their old days. But, but listen to me. He's not the great was, not the great I could possibly be. He is the great I am. So he's asking you, what is it that you need in your life? I sure could use some more peace. Jesus says, well, good news for you. I am peace. This is your day. Boy, I sure could use my marriage fix. Guess what? I am the great marriage fixer. Well, I sure could use my kids. I am the great father, the great parent. I know how to raise kids. He knows everything and he is everything that you need him to be. And so when Jesus rolls up onto the scene in the New Testament and people, you'll see seven different occasions. Last week we saw where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Those who eat of me and come to me, they'll never be hungry again or thirsty again. That was the first time that Jesus used this phrase. It was in John chapter 6. He says, I am the bread of life. But here I want to show you the second time Jesus used this phrase. And we're going to open up tonight to John chapter 8. We'll be in the New Living Translation here. John chapter 8. And in verse 12, it's an interesting time because Jesus just dealt with the woman caught in adultery. If anybody remembers that story. And so, of course, all these guys wanted to kill her. And Jesus says, you without sin cast the first stone. And there's an obvious awesome lesson in this because Jesus was the perfect balance of having law and order, right? And having grace and mercy, right? So there's there's lawlessness that happens when you just don't believe in having any, you know, any moral standard. There's lawlessness, but then there's also legalism. And Jesus was the perfect lying down the middle of not being legalistic, 
but he also wasn't lawless and had no moral standard. And so Jesus says, those without sin cast the first stone. And so, of course, they all wander off because all of them had sinned at some point. And then he wraps it up by saying, okay, I'm not going to judge you and condemn you, but go and don't do this anymore. You got to quit doing it now. Don't sin anymore. And so do you see how Jesus was the great I am? Just the perfect balance of still having the right moral standard and not being so legalistic that he couldn't ever forgive anybody. He was right down the center. And so after that whole event, Jesus turns to the people and and he says in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And I mean, that is that is powerful what Jesus said right there. I mean, I, I can just sense the anointing, the deliverance of the, the power of God coming out of Jesus after he just dealt with this very difficult situation. Then he turns to everybody and says, all right, I am the light of the world. That's what I am. And, and you don't have to wander in the darkness anymore. I'll show you the path to take. I'll light up your world if you'll just give your life to me. I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And here Jesus just absolutely nails it right at the right time, just like he always did. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, you've probably heard that phrase your whole life. If you're like me and you were raised in church, I've always heard, well, Jesus is the light of the world. And obviously that's an absolute yes. But I want to dig a little bit deeper tonight into what that means. Because if Jesus saw fit, on seven different occasions to say, I am this. I am that. I am. I want to know what he am. I want to know what every, all seven of them, I want to know in the most detail I can get what Jesus said that he is to us. And so I want to open in prayer and we're going to look at a few things here regarding light. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, so much that you are the great I am. Lord, we are, we, we don't even fully comprehend. We have, we have no idea the magnitude of what it is that you are. But Lord, we want to find out. We want to get closer. We're not content with where we're at, Lord. We want to get closer to you and we want to find out more and more about you. We want to know all we can about you. So Lord, I pray tonight that as we study your word, as we open up our Bibles, You'll speak to us, Lord, and you'll show us what we need to see tonight. Lord, it's okay to correct us if we need corrected. God, correct us. Please correct us, Lord. I also pray that you'll encourage us, Lord, and you'll do everything that we need tonight. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. And so let's look at a few different uh, facets of light here, a few different angles of what the light can do to you. I made a PowerPoint, but I forgot to get it back there to the computer. So you just take real good notes tonight, okay? So the first thing I'm going to say is this. What, what about light? Well, one thing I know about light is it exposes the darkness. It exposes the darkness. Now, depending on what side of the darkness you're on, you love light. If you're a person that walks in the light, you love, you love this part of the light. But if you're a person that lives in the darkness, you hate light. And I'm going to show you a little bit about that and what Jesus said here. But I know this one. Have you ever walked in to a dark room and and you did you didn't quite know what all could possibly be in that room? I mean, there could be anything in there. It, you don't know. But but you go in there and if you're like me, maybe you're going to your kids room in the middle of the night. It's, it's dark. You've been in that room a million times. 
And then you step on something that could bring you to your knees in prayer. You flip on the light and the light exposes what was hidden in the darkness and it was a Lego. And you get mad, you get real mad. But guess what? You forgive because they're your kids and God gave them to you. But here you are, there was something hidden in the darkness that you had no idea was there and it hurts you and it hurts you bad. But guess what? When the light came, it exposed what was hidden that was there to hurt you. I think if this is one of the most wild stories I've ever heard, but I'm going to tell it. And this is from Julius, our beloved missionary to India. Now, Julius told, this is, I mean, probably the scariest story I've heard in my life, but, but Julius told it. And so he was talking about how over there in India, they've got giant snakes. I mean, these king cobras and, and these different things. And he's, he, if you ever want a good snake story, you just talk to Brother Julius. He'll hook you up with snake stories that could absolutely just rock your world. But he was telling me how his uncle had got thrown in jail for preaching because he's a Christian. But, but they let him kind of have some responsibilities because he was a, you know, a, a, a good guy, didn't cause any trouble. Well, they sent his uncle into the, to the, the kitchen or the, one of the rooms one day. And he had this big old flashlight. Well, he gets in there, and there's a giant king cobra, like 15, 16 feet long or whatever. And Julius and those guys, they're not afraid of cobras. They just hit them on the head as hard as they can. And I'm like, I'll never know if that works because I'll never get close enough. I need like I need like a ballistic long-range miss. I'll shoot it from 100 miles away, but I will not get close enough to hit that thing in the head. So Julius, his uncle gets there, and he's like, okay, I'm going to hit it with the flashlight. And so he's getting ready to sneak up on the cobra, and then his light goes out. He's like, oh, no, no, he's hitting it, and nothing's going on. And, and he can't get, and he hears hissing, and he hears movement, and things, things getting knocked on the floor, and all this stuff. And he finally gets his light on, and that cobra is standing up, looking him in the eyes. I'm like, whoa, Lord Jesus, light of the, Lord, light of the world, you come right now and kill this. Stuff. But his uncle, of course, just clocked it with the flashlight, and he killed it with a flashlight. I'm like, Wow, that's some guts. I tip my hat to a man like that, but I'll never know what that's like, ever. I will never know. But listen to me. There was something hidden in the darkness there that absolutely was killer. But when the light came, it exposed the killer situation. And a lot of times in our life, we don't even know what all darkness we're walking in until we get near the light of the world, the light of God's word, maybe coming into church, maybe reading the Bible, maybe being around another Christian, because interesting about this phrase, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he also said later on in Matthew five that you are the light of the world. Now, I'm going to study this out more, but I think this may be the only I am phrase where Jesus said, said that we're the, you know, I am and you are. He said, you're the light of the world. And you ever wonder why some people feel really uncomfortable around you and do not want to be around you so much, even though you're nothing but nice to them? You expose the darkness that's in their life, and it makes them very uncomfortable. You're not even trying to, but you've got so much light on the inside of you. Darkness hates the light. And I want to show you something here. And if, uh, Well, let's look at John 3 first. Let's just turn to John 3 first. You're already in John 8. Turn over to John 3, because Jesus said something absolutely powerful in John chapter 3, before he ever even got to John chapter 8. So John chapter 3, and I'm going to look at verses 20 through 21. John chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And Jesus, I mean, this is profound. John 3 and verse 20. And Jesus says this, All who do evil 
hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Like, man, that, yeah, that, that's right, Jesus. He said, all who do evil, they hate the light. They don't want to go near the light for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. And so Jesus says it right there. Those that do right, they love the light. They want to be around the light. They've got no problem being around the light because there's nothing to hide. But somebody that's living in darkness, somebody that's living in evil, they don't want to be around the light. They, and In fact, according to Jesus, not my words, I didn't say Jesus said it. Jesus said people that are living in evil, they hate the light because it exposes the evil or the darkness that's surrounding them or around them. And they may not even realize it. You may wonder why some people, I don't, I don't want to be in church. I, I just, I don't like going. To, they may not even know what words to put it in, but the correct words that they may be searching for is it makes me feel weird because it exposes things within me that I don't want to deal with right now. They don't, and, and they're not a bad, they may not even be the, a terrible person, but it, 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 it burns them, man, because they don't want to have to deal with that. And the light exposes it to them. They they see it. They see something on the inside of them that they don't want to deal with. And whenever they're around the light, well, where are you going to find the light? You can find it at church, but you're definitely going to find it around Christians. Wherever you go, light shows up, right? Every time you walk into a room, no matter how dark it is, spiritually speaking, the light shows on. You know, a couple years ago at church, we got all these, uh, uh, Edison, the power company came, and in most of the rooms... They remember they put in these uh, these automatic lights where you walk in and they just turn on. It's kind of like that. Anytime that you walk into a room, you walk in and the light just turns on. You didn't even mean for it to. You weren't even reaching. You weren't even poking at it. You weren't even reaching for somebody. The light just comes on and it exposes everything that's in that room. Maybe maybe you're not seeing it. Maybe you're not. You're not the one saying that. Well, I, I see what's wrong. You're not even doing that. But it exposes it to the person that's living in evil, and they don't like it. And it's not because they're mean and hateful. They just don't want to have to deal with it. And it's very uncomfortable for that to be exposed. And so Jesus said, those that are doing right, they absolutely love the light. Christians, born-again Christians, they love being around other Christians. Am I right? I like being around other Christians. I would rather hang out with good Christian people than, than any, I'd rather hang out around you than, than some billionaire celebrity that's full of darkness. I'd rather hang out with any Christian in the world. I'd rather hang out, I don't care if you're from the Baptist church, high desert, from new life, wherever. I want to hang out with you because you've got light, I've got light, we light up the world. I like that. But somebody that is full of evil, they hate light. Jesus couldn't have put it any better right there than to show the two reactions that people have to the light. Either love light or you hate light. But there's really no middle ground. Jesus didn't give a middle ground. He didn't say, and then there's this third group that they don't really care about the light. It it doesn't, they don't love it, but they don't hate it. He didn't give a middle ground. He didn't give a third option. He said, you either love the light or you hate the light. Like, okay, Jesus, those are your words. Those are your words. And that's in a very, very important chapter of the Bible. John chapter 3 is a pivotal and key portion of your entire Bible. It's where Jesus came and said, man, you, you, you've got to be born again, Nicodemus. 
you must be born again. John 3 is a huge chapter, and we all know verse 16. But Jesus followed it up saying, listen, there's, there's the light and there's the dark. If you're living in the light, you love the light. If you're living in the dark, you hate light. And I'm going to show you another verse here, a couple of verses, in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Can I ask the answers for a bottle of water, please? I would appreciate that. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 5. And if I could look at verses 11 through 14. Ephesians 5, verses 11 through 14. And actually, when you go to looking at it, if you really want to do your research, there are a lot of verses in the Bible regarding light. There's a lot of verses in the regarding light but i've 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 got i've got several here tonight that i really want you to see and so have you ever wondered why sometimes at work there may be somebody that you haven't ever done a single thing wrong to you've been kind of like me and me and cletus i'm nothing but nice to him but (laughs) but there's some people that you may be at work where you're nothing but nice to them but no matter what there's just you rub them the wrong way and you're, and you're sitting there thinking, well, what did I ever do to this? You didn't do anything. You just walked into the room and your light was so bright that it kind of scared them a little bit. And you were never mean. You did nothing but good to them. But sometimes it's, it, the light shows up. So Ephesians 5, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 14. And here the Apostle Paul kind of writes about this a little bit. And he says, take no part, say no part. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. What? Expose them? I thought you weren't supposed to. Well, according to the Bible, it says, take no part in them. In fact, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed. When? When will they be exposed? When the light shines on them. There it is again. Same thing that Jesus said. Now, am I out intentionally shining, peeking in windows with my flashlight? Trying to show? No, I'm not out there trying to get into everybody's business. But again, the light of the world, it will expose things that either you're uncomfortable with or somebody's uncomfortable with. But it says it will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. There was a, the word light was thrown around a lot in those three verses right there, those four verses. But it said the same thing that Jesus said. It said when the light shows up, it uncovers things. It exposes things. Now either that will make someone really mad, but you eventually get to the place when you're broken so much and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready for it to be, because I'm ready to deal with this stuff. I'm ready for the light. And it's a beautiful, beautiful day when somebody, you know, we, the old phrase, they finally see the light. It's a nice thing when you really can see the light and you really can come over to the light and watch what God can do in your life. And so Paul says the exact same thing that Jesus said. And you've got to realize that your light, it is an uncomfortable thing for some people. Have you noticed? And I was, I just, I was trying to look up examples of this and I found so many. I was like, I'll just leave it alone. But have you realized the hatred that there is for light in 2019? 
I was just, they just had this, uh, the big, uh, atheist protest march or whatever in Washington DC. And I'm looking at all these, obs- these insane, vi- why do they hate something so bad that they don't even believe exists? I mean, they, they swear it doesn't exist, but they'll put their money and their time and their resources into fighting and hating something that they say isn't even real. Why is that? Because on the inside, they, they know that there's, that he, he's real, but they'll fight and they'll, they'll, they'll have protests and rallies and get thousands of people and, 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 and raise money and all that. I mean, I'm seeing these videos. I'm like, these people are straight nuts. And they're fighting this thing that they says isn't even real. Why does it, why does something that's not even real offend you so bad? I have never spent one second of my life being offended about the tooth fairy. Ever. I don't believe that the tooth fairy exists. I'm sorry to bust any children's bubbles in here. But I don't believe he exists, so I really just go on about my business and don't think about it, don't fight about it. I don't organize any protests. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna put an end to the belief in the tooth fairy. We're, that's it. We're, he's, he, she ain't real, he ain't, whatever it is, ain't real. And I'm telling you right now, man, I'm gonna fight this until the day that I die. Because it's not real. I'll put everything I have into it. How stupid does that look? And yet there are people, there are atheists and haters and all this stuff that want to come down on you. Why is it? Because deep down, they're afraid of the light. The light terrifies them. And they, and, and, and deep inside, whether they'll admit it or not, they know that there's some, there is something real. And they would, maybe they'll never even admit it. But on the inside, they know that there's something there. And they fight it. And they fight it. And you, and you could just come by and, 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 and say something so simple as God bless you. Or, hey, Jesus loves you. And absolutely just have an, an absolute tsunami of an emotional reaction out of these people. Why would they have so much hate? They hate, it's, it's not you, they, they hate the light. Because evil and darkness, they hate the light. It exposes them. It exposes them to themselves. And they think, oh, I don't want to deal with this. I, maybe they're right, I, I don't know, but I don't even want to think about that right now. The darkness hates the light, according to Jesus, because it exposes the things that are hidden. And so, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, one thing he meant is that, well, he, he exposes sin. But another thing about light is it gives you direction. Number two, the light gives you direction. Is there anybody in here that maybe you had a dark path? You had no idea what you were doing in life. And then the light of the world showed up. He lit up your path. And now you know where you're going. You know who you are. You know that God's got good plans for you. You're not afraid of the future anymore. I mean, let's let's flip, flip open to Psalm 119 and verse 105. You probably know what that says, but Psalm 119 and verse 105. But I know, uh, for instance, you know, we grew up out in the woods, and by woods I mean literally millions of trees. Just as far as you can see, trees, 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 everywhere is trees, trees, trees. But sometimes, you know, you go out there and and try to play, or if you're out there at dark, you can't see the path ahead of you. And that can either be intimidating, it can be scary, you don't know what's going on, but if you've got something to light up the path, you're not afraid of, you're not afraid. You can see, you can see well ahead of you. There's no issue. And that's the way it is when Jesus comes into your life. Christians shouldn't be afraid about the future. You may not know every detail about it, but I know that Jesus, he lights up my path. His word lights up my path. 
And so I don't have to be afraid of the future. He's going to he's just he's going to he's going to light it up for me and I'm just going to follow him. So Psalm 119 and verse 105, it says your word, say your word, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light unto my path. It's a light that guides my path. That that that's comforting to me to realize that, man, if I ever feel lost, all I got to do is get the word of God. It'll light up my path. It'll show me which way to go. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I don't have to be afraid of what tomorrow holds anymore. I don't have to be afraid of the future. I don't have to wonder. All I got to realize is that God is lighting up the path and he's showing me which way to take. Now, I know in our modern age a lot, it's it's a lot harder to get lost with GPS. Sometimes some of us still pull it off somehow. You know, you're incredible. But at the same time, it's a lot harder to get lost. Does anybody remember the days where you actually had a, a map? Okay. All right. Somebody. Okay. Somebody. Now I do realize I don't see any teenagers raising their hand because they don't remember that. They have no idea what it was like to have you know get this big atlas out. And I, I mean, I only had a couple years of ever having to do that, but not very many years. But at the same time, you know, I remember we'd take these road trips with you know mom and dad. We'd drive and 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 you you had to get it out well in advance. You know, my dad would highlight the paths, maybe the possible alternate routes to take, and you had it all out there. And sometimes if you got off the beaten path, you could sure enough get yourself lost. And and again, it's a lot harder these days, but I know this much, that being lost in a strange place is a really bad feeling, isn't it? If you, I mean, you know, if you get off in some city and and you've never been there before and you're completely lost, you have no idea... That can be a pretty intimidating feeling to have. It's not fun being lost. Now, I don't want to be lost, you know, somewhere in my car, but I really don't want to be lost spiritually. That's that's a bad spot to be in right there. To be spiritually lost is a bad, bad place to be in. And and it's a scary place to be in. And sometimes when you're lost, you try to act like, oh, no, I know what I'm doing. I got this. Especially men, right? Come on. That's the old school. That's the the old stereotype is that men don't want to ask for direction. And as silly as that is, I mean, I know there's been different times where I've, you know, got lost. I've been lost in St. Louis a few times. That's pretty fun. Been lost in L.A. before. That's pretty cool. And and all that. And and and, and you know, you don't want to stop and ask for directions because you look stupid. So you sit there in front of your wife and say, I know it looks like we're lost. We're not. We are not lost. No, because. That's West. And, uh, and, and you know, and, and you try to act tough. And, and really, you look like a fool in front of your lady. Don't do that, guy. That, you, you just look stupid. But you know how much more stupid you look when you're wandering around in darkness? And it's so obvious. You're completely lost. And you're saying, no, I got this. I'm fine. I know where I'm at. I, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I've totally got this. Do not worry about me. I'm good. And it's obvious. That dude's lost. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing right now. He's blind as a bat. He can't, he's, he's searching, he has no idea where he's at. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a bad place to be in spiritually. But the good news is you don't have to be that way. The good news is there's plenty of direction for how to live your life. There's plenty of direction for your path. 
And all you have to do is get in to the word of God because his word is a lamp for your feet and it's a light unto your path. And it's a good thing to have a well-lit path to walk on in this life. And so I remember one time, uh, speaking of being lost, on a Sunday afternoon when I was seven years old. Who's ready for a good story? I know I am. My mom already knows where I'm going. And so I had this crazy redneck cousin. In fact, I've got a lot of them, but one in particular. And so uh, after church one Sunday, uh, me and Josh and my, my cousin, who's probably, I don't know, a few years older than me, we decide, well, we're just going to go exploring out in the woods. And, you know, this is a pretty much everyday stuff, man. I was, you know, I had, my, I had my red rider. I could take on anything in this world, as long as it didn't fight back. If it didn't fight back, then, but at the same time. So, so we're, well, let's, let's see how deep we can get into the woods. And so there was this old dirt road out there in the woods that the loggers had used when they would clear trees and, uh, and they would drive their trucks on it and stuff. And so... Here we are, we just start following the road, and we go to the point where we've never been before, and, well, let's just keep going. And we keep going and keep going, and eventually we hit one of an actual paved road, and we get on this road, and, and my, my cousin, uh, who I shouldn't have listened to in hindsight, but anyway, I could have, he, he had a mullet. That should have been my first sign. You do not listen to a, a dude with a mullet. Just So anyway, so I listened to mullet, and, and here we go, going up the paved road where I knew I wasn't allowed to be, but we kept going. And then, well, let's, let's turn this way. And, and before you know it, we're all disoriented. Minutes turned into hours. And here we are. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's getting dark and we're still walking and walking. We have no idea where we are and we're walking and walking. And, and it, I mean, it's by this point, it's getting dark. We, we you know, we left at noon and, and it, it was seven, eight o'clock. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. Here we are hours and hours and hours later, no idea in the world where we were. We were stinking lost. And so we come, we come across this old uh, country general store. It's, it's still there. It, it's called, there's a little, little tiny place called Wilbur, Wilbur, Indiana, population 75. I don't know. And so we get there and Wilbur doesn't have anything but one little general store with a couple old hicks outside on banjos. Actually, that, that part's not true. But anyway, so we get there and we, we and they have a phone and we call. But mom and dad are at church because it's a Sunday night. And bless God, we go to church on Sunday night, don't we? And so we get a hold of my grandpa, who is not a born again man at this point in time. So grandpa drives his old Cadillac out there to the country. He yanked our chain. He, he lit our fire up, man. He lit us up with a volley of curse words that I will remember till the day that I die. But grandpa, as, as, as intimidating as, as my grandpa was, it was really nice to be rescued. It was really nice. And have you ever been in a place where it's embarrassing? It's, it's, yeah, you shouldn't have ever even been there, but, but here we are. And guess what? Someone rescues you. And it's easy to be mad at the rescuer, but it's really, really nice to get rescued. It's really nice to have a lit up path and get back on the right path and get back where you need to be. I've been lost and it is not a fun place to be. And Jesus said, listen, I'm the light of the world. My word is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. Just live by it. You're not going to, you can't possibly get lost if you'll just follow these directions. 
And, and yet we, we think that we find a shortcut. We find, well, I've got a shortcut to happiness, so I'll just take this away. Thank you very much. I've got a short, I've, got, I've found a quicker way to fulfillment. I don't have to do all that. I'll just hit, I'll hit it from this angle. And next thing you know, you're lost. But thank God that you don't have to stay lost. Jesus isn't even mad at you for getting lost, like my grandpa was. Jesus is glad to get you out of the situation, get you back on the path, and say, just, just follow these directions. You can't possibly go wrong if you'll just follow this right here. I'll tell you which way to, I'll, I'll tell you which way to go. That's the Jesus that we serve. And so Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you, if you follow me, he says, you're not going to get lost. I'll keep you on the right path. Now, maybe you haven't necessarily wandered off into the darkness. But sometimes we come to a fork in the road and we don't know which way to take. You ever been there? Same thing. He will show you which path to take. He will light up the path that you're supposed to take. He'll do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Don't overlook some of these simple verses that you've heard your whole life. Don't overlook this stuff. That may stop. Well, I've heard that a thousand times. Don't overlook it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not giving God 50%. Not giving God, you know, your occasional leftovers. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding in all of your ways. What does that mean? That means every way. With your money, with your time, with your job, with your family, with in all of your ways acknowledge Him. All of your ways. And He will direct your path. And I have found out I like it directing my paths. I love it when He's directing my path. It is a million times better than me directing my own path. I never get lost when He's driving. I never get lost when He's in, in control. I never make a wrong turn. I'm just with Jesus. And He's, and He's lighting up the path. Amen? Who's glad for the light of the world tonight? My gosh. I am glad that Jesus is the light of the world. And the third thing I want to say about light, okay? One is that it obviously it exposes the darkness. The second thing is that it'll light up your path and show you which way to take. And the third thing about light is the light gives you hope. The light gives you hope. And I'm telling you tonight, there is light at the end of your tunnel. And it's not the lights from an oncoming train. There's light for you, man. And it's a good thing. It means the night is almost over. And so, you know, I, I, I think about, well, as we're thinking, let's turn over to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. But I remember the winter times in Indiana. And I got to say, we have had a great winter this year. Who's thankful for the winter we've had? Some good. And, you know, we've we've had rain. We've had actual decently cold temperatures. It's been a beautiful winter. I've loved it. And but but I look back on the winters to my 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 early years and I hated winter, hated it. I hated winter. It was awful because coming around October, November, it got cloudy and you didn't see the sun again until about March. It was awful. Hated it. I mean, there was very few sunny days in between there for several months, let alone the snow and the cold and the ice and all this stuff. But I can tell you this, when it's been dark and gray, 
you know how how we have sun about 360 days a year? Okay, <laughs> imagine gray for a hundred straight days. After a while, man, you really want to see some light. But then this day comes around March. A day finally comes when all of a sudden the sun comes out. There's no clouds and 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 it's a beautiful blue sky. And I am telling you right now, that is the happiest day of the year when the sun finally comes and the gray splits and you see blue skies again. Everybody just has this feeling of hope, this feeling of happiness, this feeling of, oh, man, springtime's coming. And that means summer's going to get here. And it's a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful feeling when the sun finally comes back out. Why is that? It's because the sun, it brings it brings hope to you if you've been in the gray and in the darkness for so long. And just like the S-U-N can bring some hope if you've been in the winter period for a while, the S-O-N, the Son of God, the Son, He will come and He will absolutely split the gray in your life, break the gray wide open, and bring this joy and this hope that you forgot about. It's a beautiful thing. The light brings hope. And so Psalm 27 in verse 1, and I love this verse, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Can I get an amen tonight? So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? But that first part there, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? I love that. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my light. Not, my money is my light. I will not be afraid anymore. My boyfriend is my light, man. No, my girlfriend, woo, she's my... That's stupid. That's dumb. Jesus said, <laughs> the, the, David, the, Psalm 12, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Why would I be afraid? That's stupid to be afraid as a Christian. Jesus is your light. He's your salvation. Why in the world would I be afraid? That that makes no sense. For a Christian to walk in fear, that's an oxymoron. That makes no sense at all. For some, Well, I'm just afraid. Why? The Lord's your light and your salvation. Why would you be afraid? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? Because... The light, it brings hope to us. And I want to look at one more verse tonight, and that's in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. So are you learning a little bit about the light tonight? Light is a great thing. If you're, if you're living for God, you love light. You absolutely love it. And so here we are. Hebrews 6. And we're going to look here at verse 19, Hebrews 6, 19. And we've got something for you to see here. Hebrews 6, 19, it says, This hope, well, we're kind of closing out here talking about hope. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This hope, I I love that. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. 
Does your soul need anchored? I'm telling you right now, it does. Because do you know what your soul is? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. I don't care who you are. Your emotions will just float off all over the place if they're not anchored, won't they? You'll be an absolute disaster emotionally if, if it's not anchored. Just like if you were to just go put a boat out into the water. I mean, even if it's decently calm water, it's not going to stay in the exact same place. It will start floating. It will start blowing one direction. It, it'll, it'll move. It'll stay someplace, even if it's a great boat and even if it's not that bad of a day. But just think about our souls. Our souls will wander on us. They'll kind of go this way with the wind or go that way with the wind and your mood may change and you may be all over the place. I'm telling you right now, your soul needs an anchor. It needs something that will keep you in place. Something that will stop you from just wandering off and, and, and floating off and doing your own thing depending on what way the wind's blowing that day. And, and how do we have that anchor for our souls? Well, you have this hope. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And I don't know about you, but I want to go into God's inner sanctuary. I don't want to be sitting on the outside. I want to be right there in the presence of God. I, I'm not content to just be somebody that, that sits on the outside while, while the presence of... I want to be in the presence of God. I want to go into God's inner sanctuary. And we've been talking about that just a little bit. We, my dad exhorted about that this morning, about the glory of God. My dad exhorted about that out of Chronicles. And we're going to be talking about that a lot more. But listen to me. This hope, the light of the world, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. If you're living in the dark, you don't get to go into God's inner sanctuary and be right there in the presence of God. That light will just blow you up, man. It'll, 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 it'll blow you up. But if you are living in the light, if you yourself, like Jesus said, are the light of the world, listen, you can go right in to the presence of God. And we don't truly value that, or we wouldn't just sit there like a bump on a log saying, yeah. Listen. You realize that in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, you wouldn't have a chance to get into God's presence. No way. You couldn't go. Only one dude could go. The high He could go, and he could go like once a year. But here we are. Jesus comes in and says, you know what? My brothers, my sisters. The Father says, these are my children now. You can come right into my presence any day of the week. You don't have to send the preacher. You don't have to send the pastor. You don't have to find some pre. You don't have to kill any animals. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord, and I will allow you to come right in to my presence. In fact, James tells us that we can go boldly into the throne room of God. Boldly? Does that mean that, can I come in? It's me. Uh, I, God, can I just have 30 seconds? I, please, I, I'm not worthy, but, but Lord, if you could just give me, Lord, please, it's me. I don't want to disturb. No, it says go boldly into the throne room of God. Go in there. It would offend me if my kids, every time they wanted to come around me, it's dad, it's don't be mad. Don't be mad. It's me. It's me. Don't be mad. I just want to talk. Can I have five seconds of your time? Dad, please. Like, why are you out? I'm your dad. Yeah. Come talk to me. I'm your father. You don't have to act like that around me. 
That's foolish. But most Christians, they don't realize what this verse is talking about. They don't realize that, hey, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said, you're the light of the world. You don't realize who you are and, and, and you don't fully comprehend the level that God thinks of you. You don't, you don't realize how God think, high God thinks of you. God thinks really, really highly of you. And so he says, come boldly in, into the throne room. Just come on in to the inner presence of God. Come into the inner sanctuary. Come boldly. That's huge. That I personally, you know, hey God, it's me. I'm coming on in. I just want to talk. I just want to worship you. I want to be here with you for a few minutes. God, thanks for letting me come in. The door is always open. The door is always open. And so, to bring it all in together tonight, listen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And that's a big thing for you. That's a big thing for me. Because now I don't have to be lost. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to be afraid. And I don't have to be hopeless. Because this light is so strong. This light is so powerful that it is a hope that will anchor my soul. I don't have to wander off anymore. And on top of that, because of it, I can come directly in to the presence of God and say, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. Here I am, Father. I want to talk to you. I want to worship. I want to bow down at your feet. It's me. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am, Father. Let's talk. Why can we do that? Because Jesus came and rolled up on the scene. He said, I am the bread of life. And then he said, I am the light of the world. And I love light. And you love light because you live in the light. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We'll end right there. We will just go ahead and end things right there. And I encourage you that in your Bible, as, as we're studying this out, each time we come to a new I am, I, I, what I did is I wrote I am number one in John 6, and then here I am in John 8 for I am number two. And next week you'll get to see what the third I am is. Does anybody want to know what it is? Come back next Sunday. I'll be right here, okay? I'll, we'll talk about it next Sunday. Okay, so uh, we're going to go ahead and close out in prayer. If you need prayer for anything, I'm going to have Tom play some worship music for us, and we would love to agree with you and see God work in your life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.